and you're in this industry, but nobody's seeing you. Oh. So one, there may be a lot of people out there that would connect with you, but they don't even know to connect with you because they don't know that you, and I'm not talking about your business, but you, Christine, actually exists. And now. I'm the captain now. Coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 109 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Fantastic. 109. You know, that's funny. I think I'm actually going to re- replace that phrase with sastastic because that's who you are today. You are <laughs> like full of sassafras. I don't think so. Yeah, you are very sassy today. I'm not being sassy. I was like, do you know why I'm really frustrated today, Chris? And you were like, I don't know. I bet you don't even know why you're frustrated today. <laughs> exactly. I was, like, I was about to tell you that, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated because I've seen like piles of Amazon boxes coming delivered to the house. And I, I have this thing where I like, like, I like to wrap presents and get them under the tree and look at them all wrapped under the tree. And like, it makes me so happy to see yeah. like all of the presents under there. Oh, it does. And it? Hey, why, why are you sassing? I'm not sassing. I'm trying to explain. Oh, please continue. And so the reason why I am frustrated is because while you got your shopping done earlier this year, you just, instead of wrapping them pretty, like I spent so many hours wrapping all of your gifts, you just stuck the Amazon boxes under the tree. Well. Like Amazon boxes, not, for, not with wrapping paper. <laughs> and we well, spent hours podcasting and hours on Twitter, but heaven forbid my Christmas presents actually be wrapped. Hey, first off, who said those are your Christmas presents? Because you told me that they were mine. <laughs> Did I now? Yes. Oh. And suddenly my Amazon wish list is like, I said for it to not tell me what I was, what was being taken off my wish list. And I went to go add things to my wish list. And then everything except for two things was gone off my wish list. And what? I was like, well, who? Somebody, somebody else went to, to your store. You're the other person. <laughs> You're the only person to share Somebody with. Somebody must have did some shopping. By the way, I added five more things. <laughs> I don't know how to access that, by the way. I don't know how. How do you even access your Amazon wish list? I added you as a collaborator. so that But I didn't can... get no email or nothing. So how do, I, how do I even know? Because I texted it to you. Like 80 said, pages ago. And I said, I really like this. Oh, I'll send it to you again. Are you going to buy me more presents? I do might... I get spoiled this year? Baby, you always get spoiled. No, I don't. Last year, you didn't buy me a present. Yes, I, yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, Actually, so everybody... Last year, um, Chris is like such a last minute shopper that I was like, I'm just going to buy this for myself and wrap it and put my <laughs> put your name on it. And then he's like, are you sure? And then I was like, fine, just get my ring soldered for Christmas. It's fine. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then after Christmas, I got really upset because he actually didn't buy me any presents. Like I did everything you, you asked me to do. I know, but I like I like presents. I like for you to be creative and come up with like... Well, who is the most creative person that you know in this house? Me. No, me. No. Oh, no. You're the most crafty. What's that mean? <laughs> no. <Crafty>. No. No. <laughs> not at all. Well, I have your Christmas presents wrapped under the tree. You know, as yeah, I only got you three, but because they were more expensive. 
Okay. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I appreciate You know what? You don't have to give me anything, babe. It's always say, you don't have to give me anything. It's cool. You're, it's all good. Yeah. You know, sure. you be, being around you is a gift all itself. You're right. I am the present. I'm the gift that keeps on giving. All year round. Well, and you're the sass that keeps on flowing. Okay. Okay. Waterfall of sass. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's a Niagara Falls of sassafras. Well, hey, first off, first things first, everybody. Sorry we are late. One episode. No, we're we are not late. apologizing. We are setting a boundary. We spent family time. We There's did. No apology needed. We did. This weekend, instead of podcasting like we normally do, we actually had Christine's family here in town staying at the brand new house. It's not just my family. It's our family. I'm sorry. Our family. A- our family. From Christine's side of the family. My side of the family. But yes. our family. And how did that go? It was fantastic. It was a lot of people here in the house. I was just going to ask you how many people stayed at hotels this weekend. Uh, Wait. I don't know. Like around the city? How many people did not stay with us but stayed in the hotels instead? Zero. Exactly. Everybody in the family stayed in the, say, Casa House. Casa, Chris, Chris Casa, Casa Christine. <laughs> <laughs> Casa K2. That's right. The K2 studios were full. In fact, we actually had Christine's mom and dad living, I mean, staying, sleeping in this room we're in right now. In the, the studio. <laughs> yes. We well, have we a, have a queen bed. Well, we have a futon that converts into a queen bed. And it's couch that I use when I'm podcasting. I sit on it. But like right now. Yeah. But my parents stayed and my sister and brother-in-law and then my niece stayed upstairs and my sister stayed upstairs and my niece's boyfriend and my sister's best guy friend. They stayed downstairs. I think we ended up having eight extra bodies in the house. Oh, my good. I thought it was 10. I think I did a head count, like 10 people total, I think. 10 people? No, it was eight. Uh, Okay. Laura, Tom. Jared, or sorry, Laura, Tom, Jocelyn, Sebastian, Courtney, and Nate, and mom and dad, eight. And me and you and, and Jacob Mason. No, 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 but I said eight extra people. Oh, so really it's like 11, 12? Well, yeah, we had 12 of us staying 12 in the house. 12 people living in this house this weekend. Yeah, it was fantastic. And then wow. we had Christmas dinner with everybody, and we had like six more people come over, and there were then there were like, I don't know, almost 18, 20 of us. It was super fun. And I loved every minute of it. It was so fun. You get the house totally decked out for Christmas, by I the do. way. It was amazing with the garland and the decorations and getting the house all ready for everybody. And you were the even greatest host. You, yes. You were the greatest Christmas host of all time. It was like Christmas vacation in this house. You like the Griswolds in that movie, how they had everybody living with them and everybody like staying with them in the house. <laughs> it's exactly what it was for the weekend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sorry, we'll, we'll bleep that out. What was that from? That was from the RV, right? Was his name Clark? Um, no, Clark was the dad, the main no, character. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, Cousin Eddie. Cousin Eddie. <laughs> cousin Eddie. <laughs> uh, cousin Eddie. Uncle Eddie. Uh, Uncle Eddie? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but that sounds, yeah. Christmas vacation, except thankfully I didn't burn the turkey or the Christmas tree didn't catch on fire and no septic system overran. <laughs> right. Well, we did have catered. Was it catered barbecue? No, it wasn't catered. Well, we picked it up from uh, Grand Ole Barbecue down here in Flint Springs. That's right. We had barbecue. Texas style. Right. For dinner uh, Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. So we did all that with the family. Had a big spread. Big tables out in the patio. The entire backyard was converted into a big, long, like banquet table. Um, yeah, we uh, thankfully because of my connections in the wedding industry, we had um, our great friends, Aaron and Chris Moody from Farm and Field Events, provided us with 
three beautiful farm style tables and benches. And it was like a 24 foot long um, continuous table that we had and set it up with um, red and white roses and elstromerias, which are called Peruvian lilies and they're little red ones and um, Christmas ornaments and garland. And then I set it up so pretty. I you, you, you know, it. you do a wonderful job because you have the expertise with the wedding industry and you're doing all the wedding mm-hmm. venues and all the wedding stuff. It's so because I'm creative. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, you are. I'll give you that one. And you did a very nice job with setting it everything up. The only problem was, I would say. Why would you? Why? Wait. No, no, no. You say you did a very nice job, period. And then in the next breath, you say one of the things that I was thinking about Instead of saying, you did a very nice job. The only problem was, okay, that's th- called pessimism. Okay, I'll t- thank you. I, didn't, I wasn't sure I had to look that up. Be dic- positive. Dictionary. You know, um, so the only situation that might have been better added to the festivities was heat lamps or heaters because it was a little cold. It is December and we're doing this outside. So it was a little chilly at night. Yeah, I mean, it's San Diego cold, but which is like 50s, but it was chilly. And we did not have heaters, but, you know, we ate and then you were fantastic enough to put the fire pit on in the side yard and then everybody gathered around there and then we ended up roasting marshmallows and having s'mores for dessert. Oh, fantastic. I loved it. Who doesn't love a good s'more? You know, hey, when you do your s'mores, how do you like it? Do you like take it with like you crisp it, burn it on the outside, roll like a good flash flame and then kind of do it or you kind of like just kind of nice and roast and toasty? I try to like... Put it just a little bit above the fire so that it gets like expanded and gooey and then just get it like a little toasty around the edges. If it gets too burned, then it just tastes like, I don't know, like barbecue, barbecue marshmallow. I like it when it's just soft and crispy and gooey, but not where some people do it where it's just like white and just like melty and it's almost like marshmallow cream. But I like a little bit of crunch, just not burned. Right. You know, I, I like mine like that too, but I think that there's a key to it is that remember the time we got the oversized marshmallows? We, we, that, <laughs> no, they weren't oversized. They were um, rec- like they were square marshmallows. So they, they were supposed to fit perfectly on the graham cracker. What were the ones we had that were like super too Well, they big. were big, but they were squares. Well, they were so big, they just spilled that everywhere. Over yeah, your yeah hand. they did. They were, like, they were like your hand was covered in marshmallow goop. Yeah. You know, I wonder... Why they don't just do smaller square marshmallows because that would be great. But then I think that part of the fun of s'mores is like you have the little round marshmallow and you like squish it down and it's just ooey. It flattens out, makes a big mess as it spills out between the two. uh, It's so delicious. Oh, it is great, by the way. We're talking about camping stuff here (laughs) in the middle of December. Yeah, except we get to do it in our side yard and we love that. And so we had a great time with family and the last little bit of our company rolled out of town around 10 o'clock this morning. And so... Um, We were just getting the house uh, back in order and getting kids settled in. And of course, the first thing that Chris wants to do the minute that the house is empty is all day long talking about when are we going to podcast? Are we going to podcast? Well, here we are, baby. Yeah, we're doing the podcast right now after everything's been said and done. The room's been back together and your parents have left out and the kids are back in bed. Yes. uh, Well, yes. So the funny thing is, not funny, haha, funny, but funny like you drive me nuts is that I was in the living room finally winding down. Mind you, I'd worked all day and the kids are being little critters that are difficult to work with. And I had a really rough week last week. We're not going to go into that on the podcast, but it was a really difficult week. And so I was like finally winding down in the living room and 
start to doze off just a little bit to Hallmark Channel. I'm like so relaxed. And then I hear, hey, babe, 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 are you okay? Are you okay, babe? And I'm like, what? I'm just. What a responsible like, husband to I'm check out and make sure like, you're okay. I'm, like, I'm resting what a hero. right now. I'm just resting right now. And you're like, babe, don't go to sleep. We got a podcast. You got to get up. We got a podcast. I didn't say that. Yes. yes I did, did. did not say that. And yes. Not in that way. Yes, you were. Really not in that did. way at all. Yes, drill sergeant. No, I did not say Reporting like that. Reporting for duty. <laughs> I did not say that at all. Well, did you enjoy having all of the family here for the weekend, Chris? I did. And I was super excited. It was funny thing is that I had to work Friday night and Friday evening. Your whole family was showing up, like your mom and your, and your sister. Well, and like late night and early but in the morning. Even, but even still, the point being is that I got off work late that night, Friday night. So I rushed home, all excited to meet your family and see everybody and make sure that everybody was all set up and everyone's rooms were set up and everyone was comfortable. And I had to sneak into the house all tiptoe style. Like, like Santa Claus not waking the kids oh, up. totally here. But I'm so clumsy. I'm like banging my work bag around. And I'm like banging the door on accident. I'm actually like tripping over stuff. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm trying to be quiet. I Nobody talk. heard you at all. Well, I guess I'm pretty good at it then, but I actually did trip over some stuff. <laughs> you did a great job, but everybody was super excited to see you the next morning. You came down, you were all like, hey, everybody. And then <laughs> they were like, hey, Chris. And then my sister's like, hey, bro. And you're like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, is there coffee? Well, we had to make so much coffee this weekend. Like, we had so many coffee drinkers. We went through so many jugs of water. <laughs> like, I always pour, like, regular drinking water by the jug into the coffee machine. And I had, like, four or five jugs of it outside in the garage. And we were, I think we're down to, like, the last one now. Yeah, but it was a wonderful, wonderful time. I am so happy. And, you know, I will just say this, that... I've always wanted to host Christmas for the family. And in my previous relationship, my former spouse was like totally against us hosting Christmas at our house. It didn't ever make sense to me. It, of course, it does now. But I've never been allowed to. And I say that like, honestly, I was never allowed to host Christmas before. And so you being so excited about having my family here just... It made me super, super happy because for me, like my love language is quality time and spending quality time with the people I care about. And so having like two and a half, almost three days just surrounded by all of the people that I love so much, it just and then like having them here in our house and feeling comfortable and everybody just kind of I mean, on what was it? Sun Saturday night after we did Christmas dinner, like everybody's just like laying around in the TV room, like in their pajamas, cuddled up with blankets, chit-chatting, and my mom and I, oh, and Sunday morning while we were making breakfast, everybody's like like laying on each other on the couch and just like snuggled up and drinking coffee, and the kids were just, you know, hanging out, and it just made me so happy because it's my childhood memories. That's how we used to spend Christmas. Oh, and it's, it's so wonderful because your family lives, they don't live close by. So it was, it was a trek for them to come down here, like yeah. 350 miles or something for them to all come down here. Yeah. And all of them drove down here and they had really busy schedules. And so like my parents got here, my mom had to work all day and then they drove down. So they got here at like uh, 1030 at night, maybe 11 on Friday. And then my sister had to work until like eight or eight. Well, she had to work till eight. And then my brother-in-law got off really late at nine. And so they didn't get on the road until 9 p.m. And they got here at like 1.30, almost 2 a.m. That's actually a pretty good time from how far they had well, to go. Well, they had to get, well, they were down in um, like an hour away from home where he works. She picked him right up there. 
And then my little sister came down on Saturday. Um, they had a wedding that they were working. And so she just came down and they ended up staying an extra day, which was great. But bottom line is I really appreciate that you have taken on the same philosophy of me as like family is always welcome here. And you know, kind of seeing how I grew up on Christmas because a lot of the holidays I spend down here are with your side of the family and I don't get to spend as much of the holidays with my family. So it was really special to me. And it's very special. And, you know, it's because we have this house too. We actually made it possible. If we had the old house, we couldn't really pull that (laughs) off. We couldn't, yeah. I mean, we'd have like a couple people stay with us, maybe your mom and dad. But it would be so like, there's not enough room and people would be like irritated and Fighting over bathrooms and well, we had the same amount of bathrooms. That's not no. Really we problem. had two and a half. This is a three full bathrooms. But still, you know, I mean, I well, so question: Would yeah. you do it again? Uh, if, wait, what do you mean? Have uh, all my family here again for Christmas? Of course, I would, baby. Yeah, C- can we? Is that a, is that a cool thing? Yeah, we do it again. I would love that. That'd be so fun. Okay. All right, everybody, all of our listeners are going to be like, okay, when's our invitation coming? <laughs> In the mail. It is. Write to your address. Look yeah, for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's kind of been a recap on our weekend. It's just been a, f- a fun weekend full of family. And, oh, yeah, and we did do the uh, tourist thing. We went down to the Hotel Del Coronado to the beach, seaside. And uh, the kids actually jumped in the water, got a little wet. Yeah, they did. And we had just drinks by kind of like some sodas by the beach, walked around, went to Seaport Village and um, had a really fun time. And you know, that's one thing I always kind of like when I have, when I used to have relatives from like my mom's side would come into town from, um, you know, back east. And we we do the whole like tourist thing in San Diego, like take them on all the, all the places. Like they go see SeaWorld or they go to like downtown or they go to the beach, of course. The beach is like one thing everybody wants to go see when they come here. Yeah. Because it's not something like you can't think about. Like we take it for granted. We live next to the beach here. But there's places in the middle of the country that don't have any beaches or anything really or or where or even like your parents live they're not close to a beach really no they're like right in the middle of the state but uh talking about people that are from back east this week on our podcast we have a fantastic guest that's coming to us from the east coast she's gonna be talking with us about a lot of really amazing things and you're gonna want to stay tuned right after this hey thank you so much for being a loyal listener of the chris and christine show and as that you are a loyal listener we have a very fun opportunity for you to get involved with the show Ooh, tell me more if you like to get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else and to receive free merchandise shipped to you every single month Ooh, i want that then head over to patreon.com slash the chris and christine show that is patreon.com slash the Chris and Christine show. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have a fabulous guest. I am super, super excited to have her on the show. She is a public speaker, an author, and an entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Alexa Carlin. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, thanks for showing up all the way over here. We appreciate you stopping by today. Now, where did you fly into the studio from today? (laughs) (laughs) Raleigh, North Carolina. What? That's all the way on the other side of the world. I've been in North Carolina a few times, actually. I have cousins that were living in North Carolina, my mom's side. um, And my mom's sister moved to North Carolina and married out there. Kindred spirits then, I guess. I guess yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not from here originally. I moved here in 2019, originally from South Florida. Uh, so most of the time it's been in a pandemic, but I've enjoyed it so far. Now, where in South Florida were you originally from? Uh, West Palm. 
Ooh, is that like a, I, I've seen things about Palm Beach, Florida. Is it like a <laughs> touristy destination? Is it palm trees everywhere? Yeah, it can be for sure. <laughs> it's Does like it- the New York City of the South. Like everyone, it's a lot of uh, snowbirds, you know, over there. Oh, I heard about that. Like Florida in general, I think is just like, a, like Florida in Arizona, I think I hear that too, is that the snowbirds fly down or, or move down with their RVs from the north <laughs> and just camp out all winter long. Does that happen a lot? <laughs> Yeah, well, where I grew up, they're more in like penthouse, oh, yeah. like, nice uh, places that they call their winter homes. But yeah, definitely gets more crowded down there. So it's a different kind of snowbird. It's the, a little bit. the billionaire snowbirds. <laughs> well, just, just like, I mean, I grew up in like Wellington, Florida and Boca Raton. So a lot of times, any anytime I've spoken about South Florida, they're like, oh yeah, my grandma lives there. And I'm like, oh yeah. But I live in Raleigh now, which is much uh, a younger demographic. Well, what led you to move? Uh, so I'm very close to my family and mm-hmm. my younger sister got into the vet school at NC State. And I work for myself. My dad works for himself and and my sister, Julia, was the only one that needed to be somewhere. And we were kind of all spread around the country at this time. And we all just decided to follow her to vet school. What? That's amazing. So do you love animals? Um, well, I'm, I love animals, but I'm not taking care of them. But yeah, of course I love animals. Okay, okay. Why would you ask that, Chris? You're silly. I don't know, because of vet school stuff. Oh, but she's going with her sister. So it's like you created a little pod, right? Yeah, well, just my family all wanted to be close together when she was in vet school. That's awesome. And how's she doing in vet school? Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, that's exciting. I don't think I've ever been to Raleigh. Um, What is it like in the city there? Uh, It's very, uh, a lot of innovations happening here. So it's kind of like beautiful nature mixed with a growing city. And, you know, with uh, big tech companies just moved here. Apple just built, like, got some headquarters here. No way. There's a lot, a lot of uh, innovation going on. And I'm very big into the entrepreneurial ecosystem. I'm looking to really grow the entrepreneurial ecosystem here, just like I did in South Florida, um, specifically among women entrepreneurs, diverse women. And so uh, there's a lot of amazing things happening in Raleigh and and not even not just Raleigh. It's really now called the Triangle because it's Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Okay. But, I, but I will mark that in five to 10 years, like everyone will know the triangle to be very similar to like an Austin, a Silicon Valley, even Nashville's growing that way as well to be one of the top places to start and grow a business. And what do you think it is that attracts businesses to those specific areas? Like I've heard that Austin has been booming really significantly and a bunch of my friends have left California for it. Like what creates the climate and the culture for entrepreneurship and innovation? Well, of course, the first thing is affordable housing. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Affordable living when you're in a when you're building a startup, like you have to be able to afford where you live. People get houses together, like all of that stuff. But so that's been the the first part of what attracted people to an Austin or Nashville or Raleigh from like a Silicon um, Valley area or San Francisco. So that's the first. The second, what makes it sustainable and what makes it great is the 
the people that are helping connect other people. So it's it's that whole ecosystem. It's business owners knowing business owners. It's angel investors, um, VCs. It's it's money and funding. Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But at least for my part of it, uh, I'm really focused on the collaboration. So how can more women in the area get to know one another, support one another, and feel really fueled to keep on growing their business and brand with support of their community. And also, it just makes it a lot more fun being on the journey with other people and going to networking events, conferences. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I think there's uh, a need for different leaders in different segments of this entire ecosystem to make it work. That's super intriguing. And I was, as you were talking, I was just thinking about the fact that the the cities that you've mentioned are mostly around the edge of the United States. Like they're not in the center of the states. Like we're not talking about like in Iowa. We're looking at like the Californias, the Texas, the – I mean Nashville, I, I guess it's a little bit not on the coast. But I'm wondering if there's something to having these more entrepreneurial centers located around the outskirts of the country. Like, why isn't something popping up in like a Denver or a Des Moines? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Denver has a really great startup culture as well. It's, I think each place is a little bit specific to industry, like depending on how it grows, right? right? But I will say that you have to have a really great airport. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's a big factor. Well, also coastline too, right? I, I know that like um, isn't Austin on the co- on the coast? No, it, it isn't. <laughs> no, I don't know. Houston is though, right? Houston, I'm sorry, Alexa. He doesn't know his geography uh, right. very well. That I'm not funny. the best at geography too, but at least I knew that. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, well, I, <laughs> you asked me something the other day, and you were saying like, doesn't something have a beach? I don't know. I think you were asking me if there was like a beach in Phoenix or something. I was <laughs> not. <laughs> That was not. Well, so so you seem to know a lot about entrepreneurship. And in reading about your bio, it seems like you've been in this space for a while. So like, where did you even start in terms of business? Uh, Is this something that just recently or were you like a lemonade stand kind of girl growing up? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a lemonade stand kind of girl. So I have been an entrepreneur um, for really as since I can remember. Um I, before what I call my first official business, I was doing like the dog walking business, the handmade bedazzled jewelry business. <laughs> and, uh, and then my first official business was when I was 17 years old, which okay. was, um, designing and selling jewelry under my own label, but as sole licensee for an LA based fashion company where I would donate a percentage of the proceeds to help them build schools in Africa to help make those villages self-sustainable through education. Nice. At 17, you developed that? Yeah. I mean, how it came about was I was very into leadership. I went to a high school of 3,000 plus people. I was student body president. I was always looking to make a difference like uh, I still am today in in at least one person's life every single day. And um, when I was school shopping with my mom uh, before senior year of high school, I was already elected president. I I was thinking of ways to make our school really make a difference. Um, And so that was kind of just on my mind. And when I was school shopping, I saw this graphic tee and what was on it stood out to me. And it was the shape of like, if you're, you were making a peace sign with your hand, Mm -hmm. yet the palm was uh, the shape of the continent Africa. And on the hang tag, it said how 
this company, Omni Peace, was using fashion to help fulfill this mission of making these villages self-sustainable. And I was really like taken aback by this this mission. I was super, uh, super into fashion. And I was just like, wow, that they were using this vehicle and this industry to make an impact on just something so big. like, and, and I was just like, I need to buy this shirt. And I bought the shirt. I went home. I looked up this company and I saw that they were selling t-shirts, a tote bag, and a chocolate bar at this time. And oh, wow. Had uh, a ton of different celebrities um, part of this movement, like wearing the shirt, like Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, Zac Efron. And um, I, I just had this random idea that maybe I can design jewelry for them. And maybe I could sell it through student government on campus. And I sent over this idea on their contact page. And this is before social media mm-hmm. and uh, never heard back. Oh, wow. oh, you know, followed up, never heard back, followed up. And and now it was like four months later, school was already starting and I was knee deep in that. And I kept on following up though. And that's like a, a really big factor in getting someone's attention is that follow-up. Mm-hmm. And uh, four months later, I got an email back saying that the founder wanted to set up this conference call with me. And I'd never been on a conference call before, but I, I took all my notes down in my journal Aww. and uh, and I sold her on the idea for me to become the sole licensee at 17 years old to design and sell jewelry for this LA-based fashion company. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. Now, at the time, did you already have some jewelry designs or did you have to start from scratch? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big believer at like say yes and figure it out after. Okay. But but it was always my dream to work in the fashion industry, like always. So I, after I sold her on this idea, I designed the bracelets like in a sketchbook. I found a factory in Taiwan. I designed the hang tags on a Word document. I I got some like string from like Michael's and printed these hang tags at Office Depot and like would tie them onto the packaging. And it took about a year from this signed contract to the bracelets already finally being ready to sell. And, And now I was graduating from high school. So I started selling through word of mouth to my mom's friends, to people on campus. Um, And then I went to the University of Florida, which is a very large university. Word of mouth marketing was not the best strategy anymore. And I had to figure out a way to sell these bracelets. I taught myself how to code a website and would ride my bike after class to ship out these sales and uh, just grew from there. Um, Alexa, a question I have about these bracelets. What did they look like? Were they like bedazzled? Were they have like a lot of like bling? Were they more like co- cotton fabric woven type of bracelets? Yeah, they were very, very simple. They were um, a satin rope and we had four different styles. Each rope was a different color and each color was part of uh, the flag of Africa. So we had okay. red, yellow, black, and green. Nice. And then on this was a tiny, very, very small chrome charm that was the logo for the company okay awesome great that sounds fantastic so then how long were you in that that field where you were making jewelry and giving some of the proceeds to africa uh i think it was about two and a half years or so and um i started selling i started growing and then um, that led me to an internship in New York City, and that led me to starting a blog, which was uh, my next venture after I sold 
the bracelets. And I did produce another product, but actually, as I share in my book, Adaptable, on how to adapt to the things that you know, don't always work out. And so I, I sold out the bracelets, but that second run still have inventory left Aww. and uh, pursued. No, no, no. It's super. Th- that's the point of entrepreneurship, right? Like if you, if you don't try, you'll never succeed. And, and the whole thing about I, what I see so many people stop is that they are afraid of that negative feedback or they're afraid of like putting themselves out there and it not working out. And that's okay, right? Like I I had a very successful um, first business with this jewelry. And then as Omni Peace, as the company kind of ventured off into other things, the the publicity wasn't there. The I didn't have the marketing dollars behind it. And um, and I, I ventured off into what my next passion was because we're always changing and and our passion's always changing and and we need to be able to adapt to that in order to keep pursuing the life we so desire. So following up on that, I have a question about the the idea of entrepreneurship, and I, I'm gonna like give a little backstory, and then I'll ask my question. So. I have a small business that I started up in June. I'm finding some great success in it. And so I view myself as an entrepreneur. But you are, yeah, congrats. Thank yeah. you. I mean, I found some really great success in it. But Chris and I are constantly having conversations about the business. And I talk about how passionate I am. And then he's constantly asking me how much money I'm making. And so like I find that there's this this struggle between like defining your success in entrepreneurship, I find my success in being fulfilled in people desiring my services and my product. And I think that Chris sees it as like financial success. So how do you define success as an entrepreneur? Oh, that's such a good question. And I think there's a, like, we all kind of struggle with that for sure. I think um, success as an entrepreneur is finding that is being able to live a life full of freedom. And and that's kind of like, that's what I view success as, as the definition of success is freedom. And what I mean by that is freedom to do what I want with whom I want when I want to do that. And of course, money comes into play with that, right? Because if you want to do something, you don't have the finances behind it. You don't have that much freedom right? or if you're stuck behind a computer, right? But at the same time, everyone's level of success is it's subjective, right? I I can think, you know, $100,000 in my business is nothing, right? I, I want to hit a million dollars or multiple millions. But someone else thinks like, wow, if I could just hit 100,000, that's, that's amazing success that I achieved in my business. Right. So it's hard to say like, you know, success is determined by a number because everyone's number is different. Right. But I yeah. know a lot of people that like, make a lot of money in corporate America, yet they're so unhappy right. and they don't consider themselves successful because they're so unhappy. Because they're trading time for money yeah. all the time. Right, right. So it, it's a very big balance. Like I, 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 you, you need to be able to set revenue goals. And I'm a big believer at the more money you make, the more impact you can create. But at the same time, if that personal journey isn't fulfilling you and and it starts to become more of a job versus this life you're building, then it's not going to matter how much money you make because it's not fulfilling you the same way. You know, Alexa, it's funny you said that about the freedom thing. I also am a big firm believer in freedom is successful. Recently, well, actually recently, I guess last year, I decided to not work any extra overtime at my company because I was working overtime 
every know, week. <laughs> yeah, every week, you know, mm. five to six days a week. And a lot of guys in my work still do that because their definition of success is obviously a bigger paycheck, right? Because now they have to do a bigger paycheck to pay for bigger cars and bigger houses and the list goes on and on. Right. And and because I'm married to this wonderful wife over here, Christine, <laughs> and we have a shared income and in that. So I'm like, what am I wasting my time um, going to work extra? My version of success is, like you said, freedom. Time freedom, right? Yeah, time freedom. I'd rather have time off. So I take, I took like literally five or six weeks of vacation last year or this year. I'm taking four next year. And guys at work think they're like blows their mind that I'm taking all this time off and then I'm not wanting to work all this extra overtime. I mean, I guess I'm in a better position to where I can, you know, officially do it. But um, I don't want to be strapped to having to work six days every single week and then I'm never home. So what's right. the fun in that? I mean, yeah, I mean that's amazing though, because you're very self-aware on what you want, and a lot of people aren't, right? They're just doing what they think that they should do, and so for you to be that self-aware and like, no, this is what I want, this is what I can do, and this, you know, helps me live that life of freedom, and I'm still pushing towards goals and everything. You know, that is something that I think a lot of people wish they could say. They have. Yeah, and I think that. You know, in in speaking about entrepreneurship, while there's this goal to have freedom, being an entrepreneur and especially a startup entrepreneur, it's super hard and relentless work at times, right? Mm -hmm. Super hard. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. But that's the thing. Like when you are aligned with your purpose, even though it's hard and even though there's days where like you're like, oh my gosh, I could be making so much money doing something else or <laughs> there's just like so many roadblocks. Like you are still motivated to push through them or find a way to keep on making it happen because you're aligned with your purpose. And and when you start to uh, feel like drained from that energy um, or that journey, then you know it's time to adapt and pivot. And 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 I, I give the um, example of when people see that a path is not working out, they think that they're failing at their dreams. And so they're like, all right, well, this is not working out. I can't make that dream happen anymore. And and that's something that happened this past two years with the pandemic. A, a lot of businesses were gone, right? We couldn't, right. We couldn't do it. I, I mean, my, my business was entirely done because we were an in-person events company and I'm a public speaker. Oh, wow. So I had to basically start from scratch outside of brand equity and my own reputation and community. But what I realized during this time was that events and in-person speaking, yes, that was the path I was on, but that's not my purpose. That was just the vehicle I was using to fulfill that purpose. And there's a million different ways to achieve success you, you can't give up on the first try. And so I always say, be more committed to your purpose than the path. Okay, yeah. Now, you talked about adaptability just now and kind of being able to quickly pivot. And, you know, you, you talked a little bit about when you were 17, starting your business and then shifting and pivoting. But what happened in your early adult years, like in your early 20s, that was a real turning point for you in learning that concept of adaptability and resilience? So when I was in college, I was now growing this blog. I was a few months away from graduating. And out of nowhere, I was started to get really sick. And 
the the blog that I was running was to help uh, women and young girls gain confidence. And we just hit like a thousand likes on Facebook. And I was like, yeah, let's celebrate with a party. Of course, like, right. Any excuse to throw a party in college. (laughs) And, uh, And so I invited my mom to drive like four hours from South Florida to come that weekend. We had friends coming in and, um, and so a few hours before guests were supposed to arrive, wasn't feeling well, already went to a walking clinic and they just gave me antibiotics and fluids. And when my mom walked into my bedroom, I shared an apartment with my three other best friends. She, I, I was having a hard time being able to breathe. And she looked down at me while sitting at my on my bed and she saw my heart beating rapidly out of my neck. And she said, Alexa, we're canceling the party. I'm taking you to the emergency room. She drove me to the emergency room and right away they took me in the back because my blood pressure was dropping rapidly. Wow. And first they were doing some tests and monitoring me and I was in so much pain, but they couldn't give me any like medicine to help because my blood pressure was dropping so rapidly and I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like there was a few, like one doctor monitoring me and then there was like, five to 10. And then there was like 25 people surrounding me. And they took my mom into a separate room from where I was at. And they, they said, uh, your daughter's body is going into septic shock. Oh no. We have to induce her into a medical coma, call your family. Oh my gosh. Um, And I was induced into a medical coma for six days I was uh, given a 1% chance to live. Uh, They told my mom I had 24 hours at one point. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's going to be so hard on a parent. Yeah. I mean, it changed uh, changed our life for sure. So did they ever determine what the diagnosis was? Well, uh, they didn't ever – they weren't ever able to discover where the bacteria was contracted from. There was a number of places it, it could have happened, but they were doing all these tests and basically what septic shock is, is right when a bacteria gets in your bloodstream and your body, it's sepsis. That's what it's called. Right. Um, and that bacteria, because it was in my bloodstream, it started killing all my organs rapidly and my body was going into shock. Oh, no. So how long was your recovery from that? I mean, after you came out of a medically induced coma, I know that that journey to get back to full health can take quite a long time. Did you have to did you have any long-term organ failure as a result of it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was in a coma for six days in the ICU for 10. And um this was in the end of January 2013. And it took me quite some time to get my lungs back to full capacity uh to be able to walk again. Re- like regarding my organs, um there was some times where I definitely felt like I couldn't breathe well, but I also like, I don't know if this is like true or not, but there was a lot of times where like I would have different heart issues and and some doctors have said that that's from that, um, right? but some not, not anymore, but when it was first happening, but that also led me to suffering with a lot of post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. So anytime my heart beat rapidly, Mm -hmm. like I would be so nervous because that's literally what was happening. My heart started beating super rapidly right before I went into the coma. So that triggers a lot of those memories. So are you like, uh, as far as athletic stuff goes, you're exercising. Do you, what do you do when you have to exercise or or anything like that? 
I'm I'm fine now. Oh, okay. Um, it was just it was just uh, some time afterwards, but yeah, that happened in 2013. So um, I'm fine on that front, <laughs> but <laughs> there was another thing that happened. Another um, thing that happened. So six months after this uh, experience, I. I still was able to graduate on time, moved to New York City, got my dream job working at InStyle Magazine. Again, wanted to work in fashion. And I started getting sick again, but this was something different. And I ended up uh, being diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease, which has been the hardest thing I, I to ever deal with because I still live with that. And I will live with that for the rest of my life because there's no cure for it. I feel you, sister. Well, what, what I I wrestle that? with one too. What what is yeah, what so is oh, there that? You go. Mean? Autoimmune tribe right here. So, yeah. So for those that don't, don't know, like myself, what does that even mean? Like autoimmune. Uh, yeah. So th there's a lot of autoimmune diseases. Um, I have ulcerative colitis, so mine's all in the digestion. For years, I was very sick. I, I had to move home from New York City back with my parents to gain their support in my twenties. Um, for years, I was in and out of doctors, in and out of hospitals, couldn't eat one thing. For some time, I, I was only able to like digest rice and potatoes. Um, I, I, it was just a very, very traumatizing mm -hmm. long, you know, years in my twenties. And I mean, there was eight months where I was too sick to even walk my dog outside. Yeah, you know, I, I have a very good friend whose daughter has been in recovery from uh, ulcerative colitis. And you know, I'm very excited that with my business um, and being able to do things to benefit the community, I was actually able to support with the Crohn's Colitis Foundation Gala this year and providing all of their floral designs for their- Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, for their big gala. And um, they auctioned off all of the centerpieces and it brought in, I believe, over $2,500 for research for Crohn's and colitis. And so I know that it's a struggle and, you know, having an autoimmune disease, mine is a little bit more passive and I just struggle with like fatigue and body aches and things like that. But as an entrepreneur and trying to be out there and being a risk taker and having a lot of the anxiety and the stress associated with building your own brand and building your business, um, how have you negotiated that while battling an autoimmune disease? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for supporting that foundation. And it's definitely been challenging. I mean, a lot of people don't realize I started my current company, Woman Empower X, from my bed, like literally laying in my bed. Wow. I was very sick starting that company and growing it. But I, I but it also led me to what I'm doing today. Uh, I mean, my near-death experience, my struggles with my autoimmune led me to this passion of speaking and sharing my story and showing up as this authentic individual, showing like hey, you don't have to be this quote unquote perfect person that has overcome all their obstacles to be the person you want to be, to achieve what you want to do. Like I'm still dealing with obstacles, yet I'm also going after my dreams. And that that really, you know, changed the course of my my life. I, I moved from fashion to doing what I'm doing today, wanting to share my story. Uh, when I was too sick to do it in person, I would go live and live stream from social media apps and different platforms. And that made me grow my community. And so there's a lot of positivity that has come from it. And I'm a big believer that we don't have to wait to overcome what 
what's thrown our way, but we do have to adapt to the things we can't control and turn our obstacles into opportunities. And while you can't control most of the things that happen, um, you can control how you react to it. And for so long, I was a victim to circumstance until I was so sick and tired of waiting for something to change or allowing this autoimmune to define me Mm -hmm. or define what I can or can't not do. So I had to create a career around my health, a career that would help that, that would allow me that those days when I'm not feeling well to be at home, to to work from the comfort of my bed, to change my schedule. Like I knew that there was no other option but to make my own business work because still at this time I was going into a nine to five and it just wasn't feasible for me. Right. Well, it seems like from what we can see, you've been super successful in creating this niche for you with your business being featured on multiple different media outlets and websites and working with some really reputable companies. So can you tell us about this passion project of yours, Women Empower X? Yeah. So Women Empower X is a community and speaker training company for women. I started the company in 2016 after noticing a big need for diverse women to connect and collaborate and saw that along my journey of speaking and sharing my story and, and noticing like there's everywhere I was speaking was so segmented off by industry age or background. And I just, you know, I just thought how much change can we create if we just connect and collaborate and also Break down the walls, like stop sharing just what you're doing or what you're accomplishing and and who you really are. And that really came from a a personal need because the more I didn't share, the more I was just like, when people would ask how I'm doing, I'll just say, oh, I'm fine. Cause I'm like, they, you know, they can't understand. So, but I felt so alone doing that, like, because I would show up and nobody really knew what was going on with me. And I decided to, to stop doing that and to start sharing more more vulnerably. And yes, it's scary. It still is scary. Mm -hmm. But that is what led me to like creating an incredible community of people online and offline and showing me the powering community. And so that is really what WEX, Women in Power X, is built upon. It's this this value of collaboration over competition, of sharing not just what you do, but who you are. And we started, as I mentioned, as an events company. So in 2016, I booked a 30,000 square foot ballroom in Fort Lauderdale at the convention center. Had no clue what I was doing, <laughs> not at all. And um, prayed and hoped that a few hundred people would show up. And we had over 1,500 people. Wow. No way. It's fantastic. Thank good on, you. Good on you. And that was all through word of mouth and me speaking anywhere and everywhere possible to get the word out. Cause we, I started the company with 2000 in savings. Like I didn't have any money for advertising. So well, with your $2,000, did you at least get business cards or something? <laughs> or fly, <Yeah>. flyers? <laughs> yeah, I got some of that. Chris is always pressuring me. He's like, you need to get business cards. And I'm like, but I do mostly social media marketing for my business. And he's like, trust me, you need business cards. And well, I was like, I was yeah. like rolling my eyes and like, oh, oh why do I need business cards? And then I was like, fine, if I'm going to get business cards, I'm going to design them cute the way I want them. 
And I'll tell yeah. you, I hand out so many business cards what? because okay. my husband was right. Well, <laughs> I got business cards because I just wanted a business card. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, Christine, <laughs> I'm the opposite. Well, Christine does events also, so she's there in person. Like you know, if you're if you're at a place in person, then the physical business card is probably easiest to like give out because it has all information. Maybe and you're yeah. right there. But so. I like mine because they're cute. And they they're are pink, cute, yeah, and they're pink. Okay. <laughs> Felt like yes. Elwood's there. Like it's pink and scented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's so, so what women's and women empower X, you've had to pivot as you were mentioning. So you were in like in person, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. You were in person event oriented and speaker oriented. What's that pivot been like over the last couple of years for the hashtag COVID era? COVID life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. COVID life. Uh, it's not, it, it's been hard for sure. So, uh, like I mentioned, we couldn't do what you know we were doing. We were hosting these events that now attracted two to three thousand women at convention centers in Fort Lauderdale, DC, Raleigh, and Los Angeles. And I was speaking as well, uh, traveling a ton, uh, speaking at universities and corporations. And so when COVID hit, I was doing what a lot of businesses were doing. We thought it would last a very short amount of time and we were putting like a bandaid on it. So I was, um, I did some coaching. I, I did some like, uh, different master classes. I kind of followed some shiny objects that, you know, the shiny objects syndrome yep. where you go after what people are like, Hey, this is how you can make a lot of money and do this real quick. But it, it was kind of just figuring out what I needed to do to keep the business alive. And then when I realized like, this is not going away, like this is lasting for much longer than what we initially thought. So we did pivot to virtual. So we hosted our first Wex virtual conference, which was incredible. Uh, we actually attracted people from 40 different countries. Wow. And so th that showed us we have like a much larger reach right online and, and made it even that much more inclusive. And we also um, have pivoted our, our path to achieving that mission of helping more women grow their business and brand. And, and so today we focus on educational products. We're a platform that really provides the, the tools, the coaching and the community support to help women grow their business and brand through the power of their voice, through public speaking on all different platforms. Um, that's exactly how I did it. I spoke anywhere and everywhere, both free and paid. Uh, like right now I'm speaking to grow, right? To get mm -hmm. my message to the masses. And so I think that I, like, I, I'm a firm believer that speaking is the best marketing vehicle because it creates the most uh, authenticity among you and your audience, that connection showing up as who you are, not just this picture that you're posting. And then also it creates that impact and revenue and income for you to to grow, whatever that may be, whether you're selling a product or service at the end, mm -hmm. you're promoting a book, you are looking to grow awareness around your foundation, whatever that is. Like the more you speak up, the more people are connected to that voice because you're speaking with that passion and people can hear that and see that. Absolutely. So, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot for just a minute, Alexa. Uh -oh. So we're going to uh -oh. do okay. Okay. a little scenario, but it's a real life scenario. So here I am, Christine. I am a small business owner, entrepreneur. I'm a Latina. So I'm a historically underrepresented population for small business. 
And I struggle with things like imposter syndrome. So if I was to come to Women Empower X, how would I engage with your community or how could I expect to gain support? Yeah, good question. So one, we all struggle with imposter syndrome, even the most successful people. (laughs) So totally with you there. Um, But the first thing would be dependent upon your goals. You know, say your goal is to to really uh, connect with more women that you feel uh, support you versus you having that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. where you feel like they're your competition. Um, the best way is through our membership community. The members support members. Speakers support speakers. Women support women. And it's all about to fuel your confidence and and have your energy more focused on moving the needle forward than what everyone else is doing, it really comes down to like, when you support other women, you feel less inferior, you feel less like their success means that I'm not successful. No, I'm gonna support them, I'm gonna fuel them, I'm gonna promote their business even more. And that actually really instills your confidence and it grows your platform as well. And so that's one thing like inside our community, and this is our free community on Facebook and Discord as well, like we really focus on bringing women together to create this uh, safe area for people to be vulnerable as well as support one another. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because, you know, right now it's like, so my business, I'm a wedding and event planner and a floral designer. And so I'm working definitely in the wedding industry. And I wouldn't say because, well, first of all, because of COVID and the wedding boom right now, there's really no competition because we're our market's oversaturated with clients right now. So it's more like staying up with the demand. But being able to find like-minded women that have a similar background to me um, in a world, in, the, in an environment that's dominated predominantly with uh, younger white women has been a little bit harder for me, you know, as a a woman of a Latina background, being able to have similar individuals to work with that have the same kind of upbringing as me. its It's been a little bit more complex because I just don't see other women that look like me out in the industry. So um, can, I, ta- can I ask you a question? Yeah, for sure. Are, are you sharing like yourself on video on social media? <sighs> she does. It's, well, it's kind of like her flower design. She'll do like cute little videos and pictures, collages. Right of her like events and wedding like pictures no but of you no so great question i have a couple of photos of me but i have not done lives i think that i get nervous so on my in my personal instagram like i will do live videos here and there and chat i've been a bit insecure about doing it on my business platform and i don't know why well let me ask you this question so sure you, if you're, um, you know, you're a Latina woman and you're in this industry, but nobody's seeing you. Oh. So one, there may be a lot of people out there that would connect with you, but they don't even know to connect with you because they don't know that you, and I'm not talking about your business, but you, Christine, actually exists. Mm. Right. So, so I always say no one is you and that is your power. And, and so if you show up, you know, even if it's not live and just do little like one minute clips or just first, the first thing I would say is just do an introduction video, like go on, pull out your phone, 
and say, hey, I'm Christine. I'm the founder of X, Y, and Z. My passion is this. I'm a Latina woman. I live here, you know, and I'm really looking forward to X, Y, and Z this year. Like you could say what what what's coming up in 22 for you, 2022 for you, maybe. Maybe that's like an easy way to start. But the reason I say that is because you have such a big opportunity because as you mentioned, it's if it's predominant. Uh, your industry is predominantly white women, you know, how many women would connect with you as someone that's getting married, who's also Latina, who also, you know, there's just so much opportunity there. And then same for, you know, businesses to work with each other, vendors, and, um, and just make this whole industry inclusive. But the only way to do that is to show up. That's a great point. See, everybody listen to Alexa. <laughs> She's got some little truth nuggets here. Made me even it. think about my own business. Uh, now I have to actually like do my hair and makeup, Alexa. If I'm going to get myself in front of a camera <laughs> and I'm in the wedding industry, girls got to look good. <laughs> as long as you're yourself, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever makes you feel confident. Absolutely. Well, this has been super informative. Um, what's up next for you with Women Empower X? So... Uh, we are launching uh, a new course uh, next year that really dives into helping um, entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, and speakers grow their business and brand through the marketing vehicle of speaking. So everything from creating your signature talks to branding yourself as a thought leader, as a go-to expert in your industry, to pitching and the actual performance to then scaling, right? How to not exchange dollars for hours, but how one gig, one speaking opportunity, one press opportunity can help you really um, create a sustainable business for yourself, revenue-wise, profit-wise, but and then also creating more and more impact um, to the people that you serve. So we're really excited about that. And and then um, outside of, of that initial launch uh, in Q1. Uh, I'm also uh, still growing my book, getting my book out there, Adaptable, and and my audio book will be coming out next year. Ooh, fantastic. Wait, so tell us about your book. I don't think that you really mentioned that very much before. Yeah, well, we've been so in-depth into conversation. I mentioned a little (laughs) bit about adapting. So my book, Adaptable... how to leave how to leave with curiosity pivot with purpose and thrive through change was published uh in October of this year Woo-hoo. and uh yeah thanks so much it's been my dream since I'm little to be a published author so it's uh it's amazing that um this opportunity came my way and and the book is all about how to adapt to the things that you cannot control. So regardless of the challenges, regardless of the obstacles or the odds stacked against you, you can still achieve the life that you desire. And each chapter is a a short, very vulnerable, very um, truth-like oriented story that's personal story linked to a transformational lesson that changed my entire life and then has an action step on how to implement it. Like from everything from empathy and community and resentment and guilt to um, the fear of missing out to, uh, again, really uh, figuring out how to... uh, have uh, hope when hope is lost. So there's so many different parts of my journey that have been lived in darkness. And for so long, I was looking and searching and waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel until I finally realized 
the light was within me all along. Ooh, I love that. That's a good one. Yeah. Thank you. And and I hope that every reader rediscovers that light within them because I, I truly believe that everyone has so much potential inside of them, but the, it's their job to unleash it, unlock it. And sometimes you just need to shift your perspective on your current circumstances in order to do that. And that's what I hope this book, Adaptable, will do for readers. So I'm just thinking out loud. One of the things that Chris and I have conversations about is you know, as we're trying to pursue improvements personally or professionally and trying to launch new ventures, you know, especially, you know, Chris has taken the the reins on leading with this podcast and then he has his other podcast on the side and, you know, I'm running my business and then also podcasting and working full time. Is there's times as an entrepreneur where it feels like the world is against you and the forces, whatever they might be, the forces of the universe are out to get you because it's like you Mm -hmm. take two steps forward and get kicked 10 steps back. So with that concept of adaptability, what would be your encouragement for the entrepreneurs out there that are feeling that kind of kind of down in the gutters, like every the world's against me, I'm just about to give up? What are your words for wisdom? So sometimes you have to take a step backwards in order to discover the right step forward. And with that, I'm a big believer that we have to surrender to the journey and surrender to the flow. And, And what I mean by that is that you work hard, you dream big, you chase after what you want, but you allow the universe, the journey to really take you to those new heights. And the more that we resist what is, the more suffering we feel, the more we surrender, the more opportunities we're able to discover. And and when you're at that place that is just like, why is this happening to me? I felt like that so many times in my journey. Um, I have a chapter around that story and that lesson. For so long, I was questioning that same thing when I was struggling with my my health challenges and and felt like in my young 20s, just everything was stolen from me, all my right. dreams. And I kept on saying, why did this have to happen to me? And it wasn't until I changed one word in that one sentence and shifted my perspective on the situation and I stopped asking myself why this happened to me and began asking myself, why did this happen for me? And that led me to being curious. And so curiosity is so, so powerful. I don't think enough people talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the chapters in my book is called Exchange Hope for Curiosity. So when you're at that point where it's like just everything is so hard and you're struggling and you're working hard and you're just like, why am I not moving forward? And it feels like you're ready to give up. Be super curious to what may happen if you take one more step, if you record one more podcast, if you do one more interview, if you call one more potential lead, if you you go after one more client, because I am a big believer that it only takes one, one person, one action step, one decision that could possibly change your life forever, but it is you that has to discover what that one thing is. Well, that is such sage advice, Alexa, and we really appreciate you being here with us yeah, on the show do. today. Yeah. So where can our listeners find your book and find out more about you and how to get connected with your your company. 
Yeah, thank you so much. So my book, Adaptable, is available everywhere books are sold, your local bookstore online, Barnes & Noble, Target, Amazon. Just search Adaptable by Alexa Carlin. And uh, you can learn more about me and Women Empower X at alexacarlin.com. And uh, feel free to reach out. I'm on social media everywhere at Alexa Rose Carlin. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Alexa, (laughs) so much for being on the show. And we wish you all the best on your journey. Thank you so much. You too. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. You know, Alexa was fantastic coming on the show today. It was so great for her to come on down here. Yeah, absolutely. And I was taking some of her advice into account when she was asking me about like how often I get in front of the camera on my um, business, on my Christine Smith Designs like Instagram page. And so I decided to do... it wasn't a real, it was stories. That's what I did. I got in front of the camera on stories and I got all these people commenting. I was talking about like, um, you know, I'm Christine Smith, but actually I'm Dr. Christine Smith. And of I was course, showing, you, you got to drop that in there. Yeah, yeah, but I was showing how I got my dissertation in the mail, like my bound copy of my dissertation. And I was chit-chatting on there for a couple of minutes. And I got so many people engaging with that post. They were like messaging me and like, way to go, girl. And then... I had the mother of one of my brides that just signed a contract with me uh, reach out to me and message me and like saying like we had things in common. And I was like, no oh my way. gosh. That's it was f- like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. That's fantastic. So are you going to do more video work, you think, in the future? Well, I think I'm going to need to get in front and of the camera a little bit more because I make reels here and there on Instagram because that's where a lot of my traffic is Instagram and Facebook. On Facebook, people follow my personal account because I don't really have a business page per se for Christine Smith Designs. But on Instagram, they follow my business page. And I just was looking through the grid and I was like, oh, I guess I only have one photo of me on the grid. And then like on my stories, you know, things vanish after 24 hours. So I'm thinking maybe reels is the way to go Don't, doesn't reels disappear too in 24 no hours? no reels stay on they're like videos kind of like your camera reel basically oh okay okay but, you know one of the things i was wondering about because it's like really big right now is tiktok and i i just feel like tiktok is so much work trying to get videos created it, it, well to do it right like you know it's funny you say that just today i put a poll poll on twitter on my other show account mm-hmm. podtastic audio you can find that at podtastic a on twitter Fantastic follow, by the way. And uh, if you go to Fantastic Audio, I just put a poll out on Twitter. I'm going to check it out right now. But no, I just, no, no, don't check it out right now. I just put the list out there. I, the poll was basically asking if you have a podcast, do you do video for your podcast? And let's see what the poll is saying right now. According to the records, as of right now, I've got about 15 hours in the poll left, but 95 votes have came in so far. Wow. And of 95% votes, only 35% of them are doing video work. Okay, but what does that have to do with TikTok? Because TikTok is... It's all video, right? But it's not a podcast video because it's like one minute, if even that. That's probably what... It's like five seconds. Well, I do know that podcasts like this one were audio only, which is an audio show. Sorry, you can't see this right now. But it's audio only. And I was wondering, there are a lot of shows that do incorporate some kind of video elements to their show. And I was wondering if that makes a difference. People are doing it. I I don't know. But the real reason why you don't want to do video is because 
I'm so dang hot that you were afraid that all these guys are going to be like, hey, baby, what's your sign? And so Chris was like, I got to keep her behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz because I don't want all these guys like trying to get after my girl. <laughs> you know, that's it, exactly. I don't know how you even knew that. That's, you know, it's funny you I say that. I, funny, I thought you I thought you were thinking the same thing about me. No. So what? The, so I was thinking all you think all these girls think I'm super hot. No, they all like, they all come after you no matter what because I just can't hide that hotness over there. It's just like Psh. But no, seriously, I was thinking about what Alexa was saying related to um whether or not to be in front of the camera. And I've just had this anxiety of like I don't want to put the focus on myself because it's all about my flowers and my wedding planning. But she made a really good point. Like I am my brand. And if I am the brand and people need a connection to me because I'm going to be working with them and they're contracting with me for my services. Right. You want to show off your service. Like you're not right, the brand. You personally are not like the – I mean, I guess you're the face. I am. Of- the, no, but that's what I'm saying is I am the brand and so my services are me. My heart and soul goes into it and that's what makes it unique. And so I think that's kind of what she was saying but about like making myself come to life more on video – I'm just going to need to think about it. But I was really simmering on what she was saying. And so what I have decided to do is to really kind of like polish up my brand presence. And I'm going to do a personal branding photo shoot in March for my birthday. No way. Yep, That's fantastic. Yeah. So I really learned a lot from this episode. And I think that it's going to be like really helpful for me and my business. And so I hope that people were like really tuning in to – some of the really important tips that she was sharing about like how to just build yourself, build your presence and, you know, be a social media mogul. And with women helping women, women supporting women, I believe that especially your industry and your world, I I mean, I I don't know a lot of guys that are really looking into wedding planners or wedding type stuff. Personally, I mean. I've had a couple of guys reach out, but you're right. I think that primarily the demographic is – majority women not to stereotype there are gentlemen that are looking for coordinators and planners and floral designers but right like 99 percent of my clientele starts with the women right so i think but maybe- the guys fall in love with me not like in a romantic oh, way do they not now? in a romantic way but they're like oh my gosh i don't you've kept my fiance so sane thank you so much yeah but I think I think when you target when you get like your target audience at the upfront with the Instagram page itself, I would think you attract more of the women looking for those kind of things. Especially if you're posting a lot of flower and floral type work. You're posting your work, for example. Right. If you're posting sexy pictures, maybe I'll attract the guys. That's all I'm saying. Um, okay. But that if that's doesn't what have to do with wedding planning. If that's what you're trying to do, that's all Right. Saying. But we that yeah. I agree. I agree hundred percent. And so it's just really good words for you need to think about and yep tips for me to just incorporate into my business i love it so much yeah and i i've even seen you taking some of her tips into account for you know helping to promote a podcast and i just think that it's going to help everybody don't you i think it's fantastic it is so when when is the christine smith designs podcast coming out i'm not gonna do a podcast what a vodcast what video is that is that like vodka (laughs) vodcast (laughs) is that like i'm taking shots i I just coined it video podcast vlog vlog. i'm not gonna do any of that stuff i'm i mean the i like the little snippets i think that for the people that whose attention i'm trying to uh, attack to attract it's like the 30 second 
little snippets or 15 seconds, whatever it is, the little reels. I don't need to do it. I think long. those work better. Even if you go a minute long, unless you're really like showing me something, even if you are showing me like how to design something, you know, florally, which you could do. I thought of this now. If you wanted to get the GoPros out and you can like do like a webcam, like you can like pin it to your head or your, oh my gosh or do like no. a pov version of you like no. building your flower stuff no oh my word can you imagine that a day in the life of a wedding planner not a christine whole, smith designed whole the day. gopro to her forehead not a whole day i'm no. just saying like when you do your when you your events I have a ring light i'll do it with my ring light i'm not gonna do a gopro yeah but you can at least show people what you're building like building your flower stuff it doesn't have to be far you can take a minute you can edit down to a minute listen i can edit it for you on this little macbook pro over here so what are you saying are you going to be my official wedding helper boy yes I, yes i, I did i want to wait till christmas to tell you this but yes i'm going to quit my job i'm going to be a wedding, no. wedding helper boy i'm going to be the official wedding christine smith designs wedding, wedding helper boy, boy. <laughs> i'm getting a t-shirt and a little button and everything oh you're too much a little bow tie it says wedding helper boy <laughs> you're too much but this has been a really fun episode so thanks all for sticking with us and we hope that you got some really good little learning nuggets out of our guest interview today. Alexa, thank you so much for being on here and we will be back here with you next week.